All right, well, let me pray one more time as we get ready to, to go into today's sermon. This is part two of, of a series that we've started called The Hidden Kingdom, The Hidden Kingdom. And it's hidden in some ways because of our own blindness to it. And it's hidden in some ways because God actually, he almost intentionally hides himself, but for good reason. He wants, he wants us to choose him. He wants us to look for him. He can be found. He can be discovered. And so let's invite him to teach us about his kingdom this morning and how we can participate in it, all right? So Jesus, our sacrificial lamb, absolutely. We have worshiped you and remembered you and celebrated that sacrifice this morning. But Jesus, we also remember that you are our risen king. And we thank you for that. And so Jesus, would you come and be our guide and our teacher? Help us to find you, find the life you've intended for us. And God, may, may we purpose that you be king in our lives. Help this word make sense to our hearts today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right, so last Sunday we kind of kicked this off and, you know, I don't know if, if when you hear the word kingdom of God, if that's strange or mysterious to you, and then I throw in calling it the hidden kingdom, and it's like, man, what's up with all this mystery? And the truth is, my hope is that more and more as we move into this series, that we would demystify the kingdom of God, that we would have clarity and understanding on what it means for us to live in God's kingdom. And so the primary focus last week was to look at Jesus as the master. He's the master. And we looked at all that entailed. He's, he's all-knowing. He has wisdom that we don't have. He understands fully and completely what life has always meant to be. He connects heaven and earth. He connects spiritual with the natural world. He has information we need. And so he's our master. He's not only all-knowing and has all this wisdom, he's powerful. He's powerful. He's strong. Nature bows to him. He heals. He's our powerful God. But, but see, the most beautiful part of him as master is not just that he's all-knowing. It's not just that he's all-powerful. Friends, it's that he is personal. He loves us. The ones who knew him best while he walked this earth, they didn't just call him master, they called him my master. My master. And so my hope and prayer for us is that we would realize that Jesus is our king and he understands fully how we're to live in this world and experience the fullness of what he has to offer. He understands that. And if we will choose to be his apprentices, See, the Bible uses the word disciple. It's, it's an apprentice. So if I believe he's the master of life and I decide I'm gonna be his apprentice, then I can learn from him how to master life myself. So that's what we're up to. So here's what I wanna do today. I wanna talk about following him, but I want us to see this, this big picture connection to God's kingdom, okay? So we're gonna start this morning at the beginning of the book and the end of the book. We're gonna start at Genesis and Revelation and, and get another sense, a little more understanding of, of what God's kingdom looks like. So at the very beginning, 
God creates the world, and then he sets about creating you and I. This is in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read verses 26 through 28. Then God said, all right, this is before the action of creating us. God has a conversation. And he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Who's God talking to? Himself. I mean, I I do that all the time. I talk to myself all the time. He's talking to himself, but this is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they have been enjoying perfect relationship for all eternity. They just are. They just exist. And so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit purpose in their heart to say, we want to make man, and we want to make man special. We've already been creating a, a beautiful world for man to live in. We want to make man special. We want to make them in our image, in our likeness. What are we going to do with them? Let's let them have dominion, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we're going to make man like us, and we're going to give them authority. We're going to give them a kingdom. We're going to give them dominion. It's over the whole earth. So, verse 27, so God did it. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God did what he purposed in his heart to do. And then he speaks, verse 28, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I want you all to hear this. God made us to be like him and he did it on purpose. There is purpose for your life and mine. He wanted us to be present in this earth, to enjoy it, and to manage it well. And he said, you are responsible for every living thing. So we have a place of purpose and authority. Like there's things we are responsible for that we're meant to govern and protect. God gave that gift to us, and he did it with purpose. And listen, the reason I read verse 26 and 28 both, you know, they're kind of a repeat, right? Like it says the same information. God made us in his image and he gave us authority. But I wanted you to see this because God intentionally planned this and he clearly communicated it. He didn't keep it a mystery. He didn't keep it a secret. He wanted this to be known. I made you and I made you like me. And I made you to enjoy a relationship with me. And I made you to have purpose and authority in this world. I made you for that. And he clearly communicated it to us. And friends, here's what I hope you can hear. Verse 28 says, he blessed them and then communicated this information. The gift of life that God gave you and he gave me is a blessing. Making us in his image, it's a blessing. God has always intended for us to live in and enjoy his kingdom 
and we have a place to rule in it. We have purpose. We have responsibility. This was his plan. Okay, moving on a little bit, just to get a little more glimpse of this. Now in chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. I love the picture here. It gets a little more intimate, a little more personal. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Friends, he blessed us. He filled us with life. He empowered us with his breath, with his presence, and he placed us in a beautiful garden. Now, if you're like me, this is like, okay, this is great. I've heard the Genesis story before, and it's got this even like fairy tale quality to it, right? Beautiful garden, God makes us. We live there free and naked, and life is good. But now I'm sitting here in Knoxville, Tennessee in January 2021, and I'm not so much feeling the beautiful garden vibe right now. That hasn't really been my reality. But friends, this is God's heart for us and his intent for us. And that heart and that intent has not changed. It hasn't changed. Our circumstances have changed, but his gift and his purpose for you and I has not changed. And so then we get a glimpse of how we rule. How do we have dominion? How do we enjoy this life he gave us? Skipping down now, still in chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. There's action involved. I have a job to do. I'm, I'm working it. That, that idea of work, it's not just like I'm shoveling dirt and sweating hard. It's it holds within it the idea of creativity. I've been given a gift that is living and breathing and I get to put my creative juices to work. I get to do something with this. And so I get to create and I get to care for, keep, steward what God has given me. And so he gives us this gift of stewardship. And the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden. He says, I want you to enjoy it. Look at this, this lavish, beautiful garden that I have given you, the authority and rule that you have, go have fun. Get creative, take care of it, and enjoy the fruits of what comes. Enjoy this life. Verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Why is that in there? Was God just setting us up for failure? Is, is this just like a cosmic joke? He just set us up for failure. No, he's teaching us something. The way that you and I can fully enjoy the life that God has given us and the way that you and I can learn to, to steward this life well, to, to rule our domain well, is as we rule First and foremost, we come underneath his rule. It's his kingdom, it's his authority, and so we learn to come under his rule, and then we learn how to rule well. We learn how to steward well what he's given us. We learn how to care for it, be creative with it, and enjoy it. 
this was the good and beautiful life that God intended for us. But it always involved his rule over top of ours. Does this make sense to you guys? Are you tracking with me? Okay, so he also said that he made us in his image. One of the qualities of being made in his image is that we get to make choices. We get to make decisions. And so as much as I can look back in human history and go, God, if you just didn't put that tree there, we'd all just be enjoying the Garden of Eden right now. Like, what's up with that? He was giving us the ability to choose. To choose him, to choose the life that he offers. And so even the potential for it to go bad was a gift so that we could have choice. So this is the picture of what God has intended for us. And he meant us to enjoy this in the context of healthy relationship. I want you to see just the first part of Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 now. It, it gives us a little glimpse into what Adam and Eve enjoyed with God. Chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The presence of God was familiar to them. There was even just kind of a set time. He's going to show up in the cool of the day. We're going to spend time together. They hear him, they see him, they experience him. They enjoyed connected relationship with him and everything fell into place. That didn't last, did it? All right, we know the story. They eat from the tree they weren't supposed to eat to and it all kind of comes crumbling down. And, and I want you to see this because it ties in with this idea of God's kingdom that we now miss out on. Okay, let's read verse eight again, but now the whole thing. After they eat from the tree, their eyes are open, they know they're naked, they know they've blown it, and then they hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. Friends, if we don't come to terms with the fact that one of the primary reasons we don't see God's kingdom on earth, it's because we are prone to hide ourselves from him. It's not that he's withholding something from us. It's not that he doesn't want us to enjoy something. The reality is we pull back. We hide. And ever since the fall, this is what we've been doing. This is what humanity's been doing. We try to make our own way, and for most of us, we spend our lives looking for any sense of direction except his. And so what do we do? We look around, and we compare, and we say, oh, I kind of like what I see over there, and I think they've got something figured out, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chase that. You know, now we do that using things like Instagram, right? Oh, here's this life. Oh, that looks pretty good and interesting. Let me follow that. And then let me mimic that. And we, we look around the earth and we find masters. We don't call it that. We would never admit that. But we are looking for someone to show us the way. When we're young, we start by looking at our parents. But even at an early age, we're pretty sure there's things they're telling us to do that aren't quite right. <laughs> I did not have to teach my two-year-old, 
how to say no. I didn't have to teach my two-year-old to to dig their heels in, throw themselves on the ground. Like, I didn't have to model that for them. They figured that out pretty quick. I want to go my way, and I want to do my thing. And so we, we pull back from authority, and ultimately, we hide from God. Friends, one of the reasons why, even as Christians, I hope you all can hear this. This isn't just about people who've not found Jesus. Even as Christians, many of us miss how present and available God is for us and how much he intends for us right here, right now in this life to to live it, to enjoy it, and to steward it because we hide, because we do what our parents did. And it's been passed down from generation to generation. But his plan has not changed. His plan has not changed. I want to kind of wrap up this section looking now in the book of Revelation. In the very last chapter, God has, has redeemed the earth and we're now entering heaven. And, and his people are living with him forever in heaven And Revelation 22 begins by describing a beautiful garden. It's a garden city. The city of God has this river flowing through it, these beautiful trees that line it. And the scripture describes it as a place where people are healed. The healing of the nations is taking place. And so we're going to pick up now in verse 3 of Revelation 22. No longer will there be anything accursed. Remember, that's what happens after Adam and Eve eat the fruit. God says, hey, the world's cursed now. And here's the fallout of that. But now, no longer will anything be cursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. We're going to be right there present with him. Verse 4, they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There's an element of of real relationship, connected relationship. My identity is wrapped up in him because why? I was made in his image and now I'm connected with him fully as he intended. And so I'm with him, his face is present. Verse five, and the night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. His original plan for us to rule and have authority and enjoy life is an eternal plan, and it has not been thwarted. It's been hijacked. It's been paused. Many of us are getting ripped off from that. But this is his plan, beginning to end, that we would enjoy having dominion, having authority. Guys, we're going to rule and reign in heaven. Far too often the church has neglected to talk about God's kingdom when God's kingdom is the story. He made us to be with him and enjoy him forever and he wanted to give us a place to play, to use our gifts, to use our abilities. He wants us to to be creative and to enjoy stewarding it and to enjoy the fruit of that creativity in that life. He wants us to have authority and make a difference in this world. But we were never meant to do that with a separated, broken relationship. Being in his kingdom means he rules, he reigns, and he gives me some responsibilities. 
and I work and I rest. This is the whole story, God's kingdom. So Jesus shows up on the scene. And Jesus, as we said last week, came preaching about the kingdom of God. And as we said last Sunday, you know, the, the, the sentence, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Dallas Willard kind of did a little twist on it. He said, here's what he's really saying. He's saying, reconsider your way of life in light of this really good news and this offer from God. He's calling us to reconsider the way we're living, to stop hiding and running our own life and see that he is available and we can enjoy his kind of life now. And so Jesus came talking about that, but friends, he lived it. He lived it. This is what I want you guys to hear clearly this morning. Jesus lived the life that God had intended for all of us to live. Check this out, John 5, 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Jesus came and lived this out. He chose every day of his life for the father to have rule and reign over his life. Therefore, Jesus, when he worked, he was a really good steward of all he touched. He was a really good steward of every area of influence that he had. He walked the earth in perfect relationship with the Father, in submission to him, hearing from him, and following him. Now, he talks about this a little bit more. In John 8, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, now, I, I want to make this as clear as I can before we read any more. He is talking about his crucifixion. He is talking about his death. And he says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus said, I'm so committed to this way of life, maybe you'll finally get it when you watch me go to the cross. Because I'm that committed to living the life God's called me to live, that I'll live it even unto my death. Friends, He's saying in the midst of this broken world that he lived connected with the Father who was always with him. Didn't look like it. He didn't even necessarily always feel like it. Remember his words on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The life that Jesus lived and that he talked about does not deny our pain. It does not deny the, the trials and the tribulations and the struggles of this life. In fact, he entered that himself fully. But what he shows us with his life 
is that the kingdom of God and the life that God offers is possible even now. See, friends, in our humanity, we were given a perfect world to enjoy a good life, and we lost it. Jesus enters a hostile world, and he lives the perfect life. Friends, if you don't hear anything else this morning, as a, as a follower of Jesus, as someone living right here, right now, in this present age, we need to understand something. The kingdom of God enables us to live in any circumstance of life. When I have much, I can live under his rule and reign, and I can enjoy the life he offers. When I have little, I can live under his rule and reign and enjoy the life that's found uniquely in him. That's why there are people who follow Jesus in affluent nations and why there are people who follow Jesus in nations where they will kill you if you acknowledge that Jesus is your Lord. Because in all circumstances, in a broken and hostile world, this world is hostile to the kingdom of God. Because it is full of people hiding and we don't want to be exposed. But Jesus stands alone. He stands apart. He stands unique. And he says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Look at this life I live. It's, it's with him. And this life is so good. It's so worth living this way that even if it kills me, it's worth it. And guys, here's the beautiful picture. They took the one who lived the perfect life in a hostile world and they killed him for it. And it didn't stop him. Think about that. It didn't stop him. His resurrection proves this way of life. His resurrection says this is eternal kind of living. The hardest things you face in this life cannot separate you from the love of God. The hardest things you'll face in this life, the most difficult circumstances you'll go through, they do not disprove God's presence. They do not disprove his authority because his plan will not be thwarted. He made you in his image. He wanted you to enjoy life with him. Sin has broken that down and we have hidden ourselves from God. And Jesus shows up and says, he's hidden no more. Because if you can see me, you can see him. And then Jesus makes the audacious claim, the, this audacious claim, like unbelievable claim. He says this in John 14, 6 and 7. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. This is the way into the kingdom. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is saying that hidden kingdom, like, God, what are you doing and why and what's going on in this world? Jesus is saying the hidden is now known. Look at my life and you'll see the Father. You can see me, you can know me. 
And he's saying, I'm not just showing you the way, I am the way. Friends, when we talk about Jesus being our master, when we talk about following him, I think for a lot of Christians, what has ripped us off from living this life is, you know, we, we, we are compelled, we're caught up in the story of the gospel. Man, I can be forgiven. I can be set free. I don't have to fear death. I can live with God eternally. Like the message of the gospel, man, it's life-giving. It's freeing. I can be forgiven in spite of all my faults, all my failures. He'll take me as I am. And we get that and we receive it and we're grateful for it. But then somehow living the Christian life gets divorced from the idea of enjoying this beautiful life and this beautiful relationship and it just turns into I'm trying to do what he did. Here's the teachings, here's the list. Man, that's really difficult and it sure isn't very fun. And so it becomes a list of rules and obligations instead of a life we're meant to enjoy. Jesus, Jesus didn't say, go do the things. He said, come follow me. Follow me. It's an invitation into relationship. Friends, when we talk about living in the kingdom of God, what we're talking about is finding our way back home. We're talking about finding our way back to the garden that he intended for us. Don't wait for heaven. Don't sit around just going like, okay, I'm just sort of here waiting for Jesus to come back. He's the master of life. And he's saying, you, you still, right now, you have a kingdom. You have dominion. You have influence. There are lives that you touch. And I want you to be creative with that. And I want you to steward that. And you know what? You can even enjoy that along the way. But he says, to find that, you got to follow me. I was looking through it this week, and I was tempted at one point to read all of them, and then I just thought, I'm not going to do that to you all this morning. But over and over and over and over again throughout the Gospels, Jesus continues to say to everyone he meets, follow me. He said, follow me to blue-collar workers, sweaty, smelly fishermen, and they did. He said, follow me to the white-collar, to the tax collectors and the highly respected priest. He said, follow me. He said, follow me to the rich. He said, follow me to the poor. He came across those who were mourning the loss of their father and said, follow me. He calls the mourning. He said, follow me to the outcast that no one else wanted. He said, I'll have you. You feel rejected and alone by the world? Come to me. Follow me. He even said, follow me to the betrayers and the deniers. He told Peter, follow me when he first called him in Galilee. And after Peter had denied Jesus three times, the night that he was betrayed. When Jesus re-encounters Peter after his resurrection, he looks at him again, the one who had denied that he ever knew him, and he said, follow me. Friends, it's an open invitation. The question is, are we gonna choose to remain hidden or will we come to the one who offers life? Will we come to the master 
and follow him, where we have real relationship with him. So how do we do that? How do we get into that kingdom? I want to give you two things to hold on to this morning as we wrap things up. We need to consider the possibility that we've been hiding from him. Consider the possibility. Now, for some of us, man, we might know it. Like, he's been at arm's length for a long time. For others of us, maybe it's just a little reflection to go, Lord, I, I love you. I follow you. I'm, I'm here in church this morning. I'm in church regularly, but I just know there's some ways where I just still kind of hold back a little bit. You're, you're not really king of my life. I'm not really looking to you daily and following you daily. Consider that, and then I want you to see this. Jesus talked about this invitation to follow him, and he talked about his kingdom this way. Matthew 11, verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Has that ever been a weird verse to any of you guys? Have you ever struggled with what does that mean? Well, the good news is Luke has the same quote, and he phrases it just a little bit differently. Luke 16, 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. You know how to get into God's kingdom? Go for it. Be intentional. Be forceful. Jesus, I am choosing to follow you. Go, go yourself, look through the scripture at where people follow Jesus, and you'll realize really quick, they had to be forceful and intentional. They dropped what they were doing and went after him. They went for it. Some people that were invited to do it wouldn't. They looked at their life, they considered what they had, and they decided, I'm going to stick with this. And they walked away. Some even walked away sad, the scripture says. Friends, in the same way that we have retreated and hidden, we can instead forcefully choose to follow him. Jesus, I'm in. I want to follow you. I'm going to choose to come after you. I'm going to make you my king. You've removed all the obstacles that would cause me to feel like I need to hide guilt, shame, any of that, you've removed those. You've offered yourself as my master. Secondly, this needs to be considered too. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? How do we follow him? We do it purposely and we count the cost. Count the cost. It's worth it. But we got to count the cost. Friends, the offer that Jesus extends to participate in his kingdom is absolutely 100% 
about forgiveness. It is. We've been disconnected from God by our own brokenness. And so Jesus bridges the gap for us because we can't do it. And so his death, his burial, his resurrection make the way for us to be reconnected to God. Absolutely. But friends, the gospel also is receiving that reality and now living life connected with the king. It's one whole message. We're called out of a broken way of living into a new way of living. It's been made available. The way has been paid for. And God now wants us to live and enjoy his kingdom right here, right now. It's possible. It's not gonna be perfect, but it's possible. And Jesus says there's no other way to live. Any other ways you would choose, they're gonna fail you. The master of life says, I know what life really looks like and how it was meant to be lived. And if you base your life on pursuing other things, it will fail you, but I won't. And so as hostile as this world might be, you can enjoy my kind of life right here, right now. In fact, I give it fully. You can have my life and you can have it abundantly. But it's not found by trying to do good things. It's found by following me. Follow me. I love you. I'm present. You can experience the presence of God in your life because I'm here and I'm real and I'm available. Follow me. Purpose to do it and count the cost. You're gonna be leaving some stuff behind. Consider that. But know there's something really good ahead. All right? Let's choose to follow the way because he is the way. Let's choose to follow him. All right, friends? Next Sunday, you can be thinking about this and prayerful about it this week, but next Sunday, the message is gonna be all about what it means to count the cost. What does it cost to follow Jesus? That's where we're heading next week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the master, but that you would choose to be my master, our master. Jesus, thank you that you have lived a life we couldn't, that you came into this broken, hostile world and you lived the perfect life. You walked everyday life in connection with the Father and you took care of all that was yours. You loved us so well. Jesus, we want the life you offer. Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to enjoy all that you have intended for us as much as we can have here and now. And thank you that that life continues on into eternity where we are fully healed, where we fully enjoy your presence and we rule and reign with you right here, right now. Lord, help each of us just be honest and reflect in our lives ways we have maybe hidden from you. Little areas of our life that we just keep to ourselves. Maybe we've let you have rule over all this, but there's this little spot right here that we keep holding on to. God, maybe we haven't given you our life at all. Lord, I pray that we would repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. That we would reconsider the way that we're living. That we would stop hiding 
and instead we would forcefully, intentionally come to you and follow you. Lord, would you help us to count the cost? Would would you help us choose to believe that your offer is so much better, it's so much more, that the only real life is the life that can be found in you? And God, as we navigate the difficulties of this hostile world, may we learn to live in your kingdom, even though it can be hard to see sometimes.